0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
1: today. Welcome into episode 161 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin, no Bridget this evening. So Scott, the the Bruins come back from their two-week layoff, uh, mid-season vacation, and it kind of looked like that at times um they fall to the capitals 2 to 1 I, the bruins appeared to be the better team carrying play most of the game but still you could just tell that they're shaking up uh the cobwebs here
2: yeah it, i guess like what kind of not worries me but what kind of gets me about that though is that the Capitals had just as long, long of a break. Like the Capitals aren't one of the teams that started back earlier this week. They had, they actually, actually their last game before break was the night before the Bruins last game. So uh, technically even a one day longer break for the Capitals. So neither team should have been any rustier than the other. And, you know, I thought, in, especially in the first period, I just thought the Capitals just came out with more energy and, and seemed to want it more. And, Jim Montgomery and a couple of the Bruins kind of acknowledge that the Capitals seemed like the more desperate team. They are, you know, a team that's fighting for their playoff lives. They entered the day tied for eighth in the Eastern Conference, so tied for the last playoff spot. Um, you know, move up a little with the win. But uh, that kind of seems to be a takeaway after the game is that, you know, Bruins are going to be facing a lot, a lot of these teams. A lot of the league is still alive for playoff spots. Um, you know, there's, there's more teams right now who are playing for something than, than aren't. So, uh, you know, just look at like this coming week, they got Dallas, who's fighting for the number one seed in the West, Nashville, who's right on the playoff bubble in the West, then the Islanders who are right on the playoff bubble in the East. So there's going to be a lot of this, a lot in, you know, I think teams are already taking their best shot at the Bruins because it was the game to circle on the calendar with, with uh, the start that the Bruins have had in, in, you know, having the league's best record. So uh, there aren't going to be many easy nights for the Bruins. And I thought, you know, tonight sort of showed that like, you know, Bruins are going to have to find a way to sort of find some of that desperation themselves, which I think for so much of the season, they were playing with, you know, like they really seemed determined and seemed to want it more than their opponents. And it's just, slipped up just a little bit recently you know there's three losses before the break and now saturday against washington i'm you know not super worried about it yet i don't think it's like something that's gonna last throughout the second half of the season but it's it's there right now and they've got to kind of just kick it up uh maybe an extra half a notch
1: yeah and you and you mentioned how the capitals had it was their first game back as well so no excuses right but for me scott it kind of reminds me of like it reminds me of like um when people are in college and they and they have a they have a big day drink for some reason like it's a homecoming or whatever the case may be if the bruins season was a big day drink everybody got up for right now they're at the part of the day drink where it's like 3 in the afternoon where people are kind of like should i go take a nap for the second half of this day <laughs> so we can go to the bars later that's kind of what it feels like they're just kind of like that's what I was afraid this break was going to do. And look, it's the first game back, so let's not damn for it. But you just kind of had that sense. Like you said, they were kind of slipping a little bit heading into it. And then you get two weeks off. You've you've set the bar so high all year that you just kind of felt this coming. I mean, it's, their, it's, it's no coincidence. It's their second uh, home regulation loss all year. It's like one of my buddies was texting before the game. He was asking if I was going. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be there. And he, he mentioned how he, he he bet, like, the Bruins money line and stuff. And the first thing I said to him, I was like, that's a spooky bet just because um, you don't want to bet on the Bruins today just because, like, you're coming back from a break and it's going to be rusty out there. So, I mean, I thought a few individuals looked pretty sharp, actually. David Gracie looked like he had some juice in his legs. Um, maybe that's because he had some time off. But as as the entire uh, team, I mean, just their decision making wasn't very crisp or, or, or you know, sharp. Um, they pass up a lot of opportunities to shoot the puck today, Scott.
2: Yeah, they did. I I would add Nick Felino as another who who seemed to have it today. I thought Taylor Hall played well. Um, aside from what you just mentioned, which he he was one of the guys at one point who was uh, guilty of overpassing. Had you know pretty good look on a stick and tried to make the one extra pass for a tap in and got broken up. Um, yeah, that, again another issue that. Uh, I think was surfacing a little bit before the break and Brad Marshan even kind of touched on that after the game said, you know, in his opinion, like it wasn't just tonight. It had kind of been building and has been there for a little bit. Um, And, you know, it's, we've talked about this where, you know, Jim Montgomery's system stresses quality over quantity, which has been very successful for them. You look at their high danger chances this year versus last year, they're up. And that's a big reason why, because guys are, you know, willing to make that one extra play rather than just throw the puck on net from anywhere. But then it can kind of go in the other direction, which I think we're seeing a little bit of now, which is you, you get a little too cute and you start looking for those, you know, cross slot one timers, backdoor tap like the really pretty goals. And it's like, well, you know, another way to create high danger chances Mr. Just get pucks and bodies to the net and create some chaos. And like, that's basically what Martian said after the game is like, we have to do a little bit more of that where, um, you know, it's not get kind of those gritty goals. He called them playoff goals, which is exactly right. Like that's how you tend to score in the playoffs. There aren't going to be a lot of seam passes and, uh, you know, two on ones right around the crease.
1: Yeah, something else. Martian mentioned after the game was uh, a little critical of the officiating. It kind of seemed like they had some, some, um, some two weeks off as well. Scott, the the officiating, which you know, it's it's it's. I saw you I, you said it to somebody online, and it's 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 very true. It's a it's a very difficult job for them out there. The game happens fast. There's a lot happening. But what what annoys me and it annoyed you because you commented on it is that like there were certain calls where they didn't even see the infraction. They saw the reaction, which was obviously, fa- you know, well, the Lindholm one wasn't fabricated, but like it, something happened before. My point is, he, he didn't. If you miss a call, that's one thing, right? If you see a call and it's not a penalty, but you call it a penalty because you just, it was subjective in the ref's mind, that's one thing. But when the refs don't see the play at all, they just see a reaction, that's very, very infuri- infuriating. And it just, it just showed that the refs out there today just kind of didn't really have a great feel for the game.
2: Yeah. And just the inconsistency of some of the stuff they called versus some of the stuff they let go. Um, you know, Krejci's trip was another one where it's like, they just called it because Gustafson ended up on the ice. Like Krejci gets the puck and in, it's a terrible turnover by Gustafson. Like he, he's skating back into his own zone and runs into two Bruins and like in the slot and it's like just the worst possible place you can run into traffic as a defenseman and gets bailed out because the ref calls a penalty when Gustafson was like already on his way down, had lost the puck and you know, Krejci kind of barely gets him with a stick and it's like, what a, what a bailout call, like just, just brutal. And You know, there were there are a few of those. Like Marshan gets cross-checked in front, but they even it up by calling him for slashing when he's digging at a puck that was loose the whole time. Like Kemper never had that tied up. And like, I don't know if you want to say he was jamming at his pad or whatever, and that's not where the puck was, like, okay, but how does Marshan know that? Like he sees the puck lose, he's just poking at anything he can get to. Um So, yeah, really rough night for the refs. Martian called them out after the game, um, said that he he thought they had a rough night. He said he thinks officiating has been inconsistent all year. Um, You know, made a point to say, like, that's not why we lost. But um, nonetheless, like it was a factor. I mean, the first Capitals goal, Bruins should have had the power play from that cross-check on Martian I mentioned. Instead, it evens up. Then you get... A soft hooking call and Coyle, kind of iffy interference call on in Lindholm. And now all of a sudden it's a five on three for the Capitals and they score. So, yeah, Bruins had, you know, there are plenty of reasons within the Bruins' control that they lost, but the officiating certainly didn't help.
1: Nah, no, the officiating did not help. And so obviously, yeah, Capitals get that five on three goal to go up one nothing. And we're not going to sit here and, you know, critique the Bruins for giving up a five-on-three goal. That's 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 pretty standard, right? Um, but what we can can critique is the second goal that Boston gave up, which was the Garnet Hathaway goal. And you know, credit to Hathaway, like he can have your opinion on the guy, but he he's he he plays hard. Uh, he's a thorn in the side of, of his opponents. Uh, I definitely don't like playing against him because I don't think he's afraid to, you know, get a shoulder to a head area. Um, he's he's one of those players who. He toes that line, and I could just see him taking a run at Pashnack or McAvoy or somebody like that. Um, but he actually played a great game today, I thought. He was effective in his role, and he got the eventual game-winning goal. But it was a gruesome turnover by by Jacob Lauko, who I think that was probably his last shift of the game. Um, and, you know, that's a shot from distance that beats Swayman clean. So um, a couple of things to not like about that goal to put the Bruins in a, in a hole.
2: Yeah, de- definitely in the turnover by Lauko, and you're right, that was his last shift. Um, you know, it was interesting that the, the entire fourth line went like almost a full period between shifts. Um, Frederick and Greer didn't see the ice at all hole for a while either. Um, and then they finally got back on the ice in the third, but there was still no Lauko. So that was his last shift of the game. Frederick picked up a couple more shifts, kind of moving up to other lines at points. But um. Yeah. So you know, be interesting. We expect to brusque back within the next couple games. Um. You know, initially before the break, the the word from Montgomery was he was expected to be back for this game. Um. But he was still still hasn't gotten full clearance. He was still in a non contact jersey at, at Friday's practice, and that was after missing Thursday's practice with some sort of travel issue with his flight getting canceled. So. Um yeah, you know, he'll probably be back in the next couple of games, and then obviously that means Lau goes out and, and back down to Providence. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Debroscu misses another game or two, if they call someone else up, or if you know Lago gets to stay in and maybe get a chance to redeem himself. Um you know, Montgomery said after the game that part of the reason like the fourth line didn't play much is that the Capitals weren't playing their fourth line much, which which is true, but also kind of gives Montgomery like a, an easy way to sort of explain the lack of ice time away. Reality is, is you know, if he had liked other things Lauka was doing or, you know, thought he was like ready to redeem himself, he, he would have had another shift over the last 29 minutes of the game.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. Post your free
1: job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, absolutely. So who do you think benefits more from being on that third line, Felino or Frederick? Because I feel like now today Felino scored a goal. That line looked pretty good. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a pro, so he knows what he's doing, but I feel like Felino could be on the fourth line. And because he's such a pro, continue to do what his role is but i feel like when frederick goes down to the fourth line i don't know if his mindset reverts back to when he was trying to crack the lineup or if he just loses that 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 you know um jump in his step but i just think a big part of his game is confidence and i like so i guess i'll i mean i guess i kind of just vaguely gave my answer i think it's frederick but what do you what do you think about that
2: yeah i agree i think I do think like Foligno, the way he's been playing most of the season, he can drive a line. Like he can be the best player on a line, which he has been on the fourth line pretty much all year. Um, whereas Frederick, I don't know if he's quite there yet. Now, look, he's playing center between Greer and Loco, who have brought some good things to the light lineup, but like, obviously aren't, you know, terrific fourth liners or anything like they're. They're guys who can who can hold their own. So um, that's maybe a little bit of a tougher assignment than Felino, You know, when he has Nosek, who's a veteran NHLer um, on that line with him. But yeah, I don't know if Frederick's quite at the point where he can like consistently drive a line or be the best guy on a line. Um, we just haven't really seen him do that yet. So I would lean more towards like he might still need to have you Know a coil and whoever else, a, a hall, Zaka, or even Felino at times when he moved up. So, you know, other guys that he can play off and um, not have to me- be the main driving force.
1: Yeah, I think No Sick's a guy that you don't really think about very often, but you just brought up his name and it's like, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about uh, about, about No Sick, like he, he is a uh. He is a very good fixture for that line, and when he's when he's in that fourth line center role, it just it just provides that depth down the middle and that stability that you kind of want. And you know he he's a pretty big guy too. He's like six, probably like six three or four. I don't really know, but um, yeah. So I mean he's out for a little bit longer. So I mean that's not anything they're going to get back anytime soon. But when DeBrus comes back in, things will slide down. How do you feel like a player like Craig Smith has been doing um in his top line minutes with Bergeron and Marshan?
2: I think he's been pretty quiet, um, which has, you know, sort of been the story of his season. Uh, it, you'll see flashes. Like he, he had one good rush where, you know, he kind of led the transition to, through the neutral zone with speed and then kicked it out to Bergeron who was driving down the right. Bergeron puts a shot on looking for a rebound and it, it actually comes to Martian, but just skips over a stick had, had a lot of heat on it. Um, but like that was, you know, a play that stood out We were like, okay, like. Smith kind of got going had some jump and you know made the right play with, with the pass over but just didn't see enough of it um yeah I thought there were other times where he he kind of got the puck in a stick and it felt like play died like like you know he was a little bit slow kind of figuring out what to do with it so um one time he just completely lost the puck in the neutral zone like had on a stick was trying to started you know a pass over to for a zone entry and just completely over skated and washington went the other way so kind of continue continues to be a tough go for him um i do think like that line suffers a little bit it's not like they're horrible or anything but you know for years it was always like oh you can put anyone with bergeron and marsh and it's like all right well you know those guys are a little bit older now and That's I'm not sure that was ever actually really true, but like it it probably isn't true anymore. You know, I think that you see like a huge difference between what they can do when they have a DeBrusque on that line playing the way he's played this season versus Smith, who just still doesn't have his game.
1: But even if he does, like I just don't think Craig Smith is, he doesn't doesn't have the playmaking and finishing ability to, to, to really be an impact guy with them, it's it's just not it's just not his skill set. It's nothing against him or anything, but it's like you you made the comment the the puck that the puck dies in a stick, the play dies in a stick a lot, and it's not from a lack of effort. It's just he's not he's not the type of guy to carry the puck, you know, up and down the ice and make plays and pull up. He's a he's a skate without the puck in your stick type player. Get on the four check and try to cause some havoc, but that's not a top line skill set. That's a you know bottom six skill set. And then the other thing too, with that line is like, you look at Marshan five, nine Craig Smith is listed at six. One. I think that's a generous six. One. I would probably bet he's like five eleven, 11. Um, and obviously Bergen's not the tallest guy. So I feel like that line's kind of small. I don't think that helps matters. Um, so yeah, I, 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 echo what you said. Um, but again, it's not a situation where he's an actual solution there. He's just filling in a role while Debruskas out and whatnot. So, um were there any other um storylines up front from this game that you feel like we should go over i mean well i can Uh, i can the power play was better or at least yeah it was zone entries are better and stuff
2: yeah i was gonna say especially the zone entries like they they got in pretty cleanly on a on a consistent basis not that they had a ton of power plays um well I mean, I guess technically they had four, but only for 3.59 totals. So really like timing wise, just two power plays, um, you know, a couple were cut short interrupted. So, uh, yeah, but they, they were getting into the zone better. Um, I thought, you know, still, it's still not a ton of great chances. Bergeron had one from the slot that, you know, a chance to tie the game that was really good. And, uh, just didn't quite elevate it enough. Got it into Kemper's pads. Um Pastonaga. I thought the Capitals did a good way, good job taking away his one-timer. A couple times he tried that move where he steps inside and, uh, you know, didn't really lead to anything. I think he was hoping there'd be someone, you know, a little closer looking, looking for a tip or kind of that slap pass. And I kind of think that's one thing where this reconfigured power play with without like a true net front guy with Marchand kind of you know, in that role it sort of as like more of a hybrid where sometimes he's net front, sometimes he's off to the side and there's like a little bit more rotation. I thought there were times where like Passenach in particular was looking for someone to be right in front and there really wasn't anyone there. So again, another area where I think you missed a brusque because he, he will be, he is kind of more reliable just in terms of like, he's going to stay there and, um you know sort of be be in that spot consistently whereas Martian's gonna move around more and you know sometimes they'll pop up there sometimes they'll be somewhere else
1: yeah but unfortunately for them like they can't rely on Debrus coming back because or just solely coming back because he's gonna take some time to have to get I mean he hasn't played a hockey game in yeah. what five six weeks so um you, you gotta try to address it before he gets back or whatever I mean whatever um as he's getting back.